the, the book of Peter is written by uh, Peter, uh, funny enough, who was one of Jesus' best friends in his life. Peter journeyed alongside of Jesus for three years while Jesus was doing his ministry on earth. And uh, Peter got just a front row seat to the epic works of Jesus in those three years. Um, he got to walk alongside and see all the miracles, hear all the teachings. And it's funny enough, in spite of that, Peter was kind of known as the guy who kind of always messed it up or said the wrong thing, put his foot in his mouth, didn't understand the parable, or um, he was kind of known as a coward, even at the last days of Jesus. And um, that, that was kind of the picture of Peter that we get if we read uh, about the, the life of Jesus. But after Jesus dies and comes back to life and raises into heaven, uh, Peter gets the Holy Spirit and just tr his life is transformed into this just incredible leader uh, in the early church, just sold out follower of Jesus for the rest of his life, just brave, passionate, amazing leader. And uh, so this book is Peter writing a letter, an encouragement, a challenge to some of the early churches that uh, were kind of starting to pop up in different areas in the late first century. So that, that's a little context for us since we're kind of dropping down in the middle of this book today. And uh, I, I really want to look at three main phrases from this one verse. That's where we're going today. Three phrases. And I'm going to summarize and paraphrase uh, parts of the verse to kind of uh, lock us in and anchor us in those three different phrases. So I'll give you the three phrases. The first one is to live like Jesus. Live like Jesus is the first one. Among others, it's the second phrase we'll look at, so that God is glorified. That's the third phrase. That's where we're going. Live like Jesus, among others, so that God is glorified. So um, let's jump into the first part of, of verse 12. Uh, Peter says, uh, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Maybe some of your Bibles say, live such good lives among the pagans. We'll look at that word pagan or Gentile in a few minutes. But uh, the big idea from the first part of this verse is that Peter is encouraging us to live lives that reflect who Jesus is. Uh, live such good lives. Uh, that, that's where Peter's going with this. And the original word that Peter uses for conduct in the original language, it, it speaks a lot more to lifestyle than it does a single behavior or a single action or a, a, you know, a thing that someone would do or not do. It's kind of the overall lifestyle. He's saying, live your life in a way that honors Christ and that's honorable, that reflects who Christ is in your life. That's what he's getting us at. And right off the bat, it's like, okay, that is a really high bar. <laughs> it's like, uh, none of us are perfect, right? So anybody perfectly live in a way that is perfectly honorable to Christ in every area of their life? No, right? So we're, we're all in process um, in, in many ways. No matter where you are at on your spiritual journey, we say this all the time at Ethos, no matter where you find yourself, on your spiritual journey. We hope that this is a place that is safe for you to take another step with Jesus, to discover Jesus in a new way. And oftentimes the Bible describes that process of coming to discover Jesus more deeply, of learning to follow Jesus more fully, of uh, having our lives reflect who God is uh, more accurately. That process is often in the Bible called sanctification. And that is a huge word that um, I'd need to break it down for myself. So uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what that means for a second. I know that's a really churchy word. Uh, the, the main uh, idea of sanctification is to purify something for a purpose. At the basic definition, it's, it's about purification, uh, to set aside something for a purpose. And uh, so for us as believers in Jesus, sanctification is our growing to become more like Jesus and to live more like Jesus lived. As the Holy Spirit works in us, we're transformed in our lives 
Um, and this isn't just, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna do better and I'm gonna perform better. Um, I'm not gonna sin as much. It, it's much more a natural thing that the Holy Spirit works out in our lives. So uh, I want you to think it out of... Um, this context. There's a, a few verses in Galatians, a, a different book, and uh, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, one of the other writers of the New Testament, Paul, uses this analogy to describe what it looks like when people who follow Jesus are sanctified or transformed over time, that fruit begins to come out of their lives, right? So uh, he describes some of the fruit that kind of blossoms out of the life of someone who's really connected and pursuing God. He, he says some things like this. Maybe you've heard this list before. Traits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the scriptures are gonna say. This is what it looks like when someone's connected to Jesus, who's following after Jesus. These are the natural fruits that begin to blossom out of their lives. In other words, as we're being transformed, this is what we'll see happen in our own lives. So uh, I want you to think about it this way. Um, Let's say I have an apple tree in my backyard and uh, each year the apples are just dry and wrinkled and brown and who wants wrinkled brown apples, right? So um, uh, we gotta do something about it. And you know, after several seasons of this, Virginia, my wife comes to me and says, okay, this is so stupid that we have this big apple tree and we never get to eat apples. Can you do something about this? So um, you know, one day she looks out the window and sees me in the yard with a pair of uh, hedge trimmers and a ladder and an industrial uh, staple gun and a big bushel of apples. And I'm, I'm up on the ladder and um, I, being the incredibly resourceful husband that I am, um, cut off the pulpy brown mushy apples and begin stapling shiny red apples to the branches of the trees. Uh, what do you think Virginia would think of me in that moment? She's like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Like those apples are going to rot in like one day and we're going to have the same type of apples that we had yesterday. If a tree produces bad apples, um, it, it's because there's something wrong with the root system down to the very bottom. It, it won't solve any problems by stapling new apples to the trees, right? Uh, they're, they're not connected to any sort of life-giving system in the tree. And next spring, I'm going to have the same problem. <laughs> there's not going to be any good apples. And um, if the tree's roots remain unchanged, it will never produce good fruit. So the point is that in our lives, much of what we do to produce growth, much of what we try to do to be transformed in God um, is often little more than fruit stapling. That's what I've done in my life a lot of times. We attempt to exchange apples for apples without ever, ever examining our heart, the root of the issue, the bottom of the behavior. And sanctification is much more like when the Holy Spirit acts as the gardener for us as the tree and, and prunes the branches and begins to tend to the roots and get out the weeds that are vying for the nutrients in the soil and begins to do some things that allow the tree to naturally then begin to produce good fruit. And the fruit that is produced in our lives as we listen and respond to the Holy Spirit is some of the things that Paul talks about in Galatians 5. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, these things. And just like any tree that's planted, it takes a long time to grow, right? So this is, a, this is a lifelong journey that we enter into as followers of Jesus to ongoing, uh, this ongoing journey of being sanctified, of being transformed into look like Jesus, to act like Jesus uh, acted. So um, this is a, a pretty common thing to talk about in church. 
right? For us to be transformed by God and experience some growth in Jesus. But um, something happened as I began to read the scriptures this week is I, I began to see this connection that the scriptures make between that inner transformation that we're all pretty aware of and comfortable with when it comes to faith, that transformation and living on mission. I'd never made this connection before as, uh, as I began to talk and study this week. Um, uh, so I want us to see the, the, um, the connection that Peter makes in between our process of sanctification or transformation and living among others to see the mission of Christ advance. So uh, we'll, we'll look at the second part of uh, the second phrase that we're gonna look at. So the first one was live like Jesus. That happens through our inner transformation by the Holy Spirit. The second one is among others among others. So the middle part of that sentence that Peter says, keep your conduct honorable or live such good lives among the Gentiles. That word Gentile sometimes refers to like an ethnicity of people who weren't Jewish. But in this instance, Peter's using it to just refer to anybody who didn't believe or uh, place faith in Jesus. And he's contrasting here uh, the Christian way of life with the way of their culture in the first century. People in their culture viewed followers of Jesus uh, with extreme hostility because they didn't conform to the normal way of life. They didn't worship the typical gods. They didn't participate in the typical rituals or communities and practices. Uh, So they were viewed as subversive and evil in that first century. And instead of telling the Christians, Peter, instead of telling them to like mount some verbal campaign against Rome or like write a letter to the senator, uh, he's like, live like Jesus. That's what you do. Live like Jesus among others and the good fruit will be undeniable to those that see it. So here's the point that I really wanna lean into uh, is making the connection between our transformation and how that transformation is perceived by a world who uh, is looking on, the relationships that we have with people who don't know Jesus. So implicit in Peter's words here is the expectation that believers in Jesus will be among those who don't believe in Jesus. It's expected that they will encounter and interact with and work around and journey alongside and be friends with people who don't believe. And so I think we can see a connection made in our own personal growth with what God is calling us to do in the world and living on mission. So here's here's a question for us to wrestle with. Um, Are we living among those that, that don't believe in Jesus? Maybe in this room today, you don't believe in Jesus. We're really glad that you're here. Um, but are we, are we living? Are we friends with people who, who are different than us. It, I was really convicted this week personally about this particular part of, uh, of the message uh, because it's so easy for me to insulate myself. I don't know if you struggle with this, but um, I like to hang out with people that believe the same things I do and like the same things that I like that look like me and talk like me. It's just easier, right? Uh, it, it's not hard. It's not difficult. It, um, it, it's just a little easier when you get along with the people Uh, because you believe all the same things. And um, so God was really pressing me on this this week to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and to expand my uh, friend groups, expand the people that I interact with and encounter on a uh, consistent basis because I work at a church. So hopefully everybody that I work with um, on a daily basis is believing in Jesus. But it's like, even when I worked at Chick-fil-A for a long time, um, any Chick-fil-A lovers in here, um, sorry, you can't go there for lunch. I totally just planted that. That was like inception. I planted it in your mind and you're gonna think about it all day. Um, But even when I worked a different job, uh, I I was just as effective at insulating myself by not having any sort of deep relationship with anybody that I worked with. I just kind of insulated, just, hey, how are you? I'm good, fine, cool, see ya. That that was the extent of what I wanted interaction to look like. 
And God has been really pushing me to take some steps in this because I believe if we are connected to Jesus, if our roots are connected to Jesus, then we'll begin to see the fruits of our life being transformed to look like Jesus. But if we never interact with anyone, uh, they're gonna miss out on seeing the life transformation that we're experiencing. If we are among others, they will see the fruit. They will see our lives being transformed. And I think this is what Peter is getting at here. I think if we do this, if we begin to lean into this in a little uh, deeper way, Peter says, uh, the result is the third phrase we're gonna look at, that God is glorified. So we, we live like Jesus among others so that God is glorified. So the next thing Peter says in the verse, if you wanna look back with me, he says, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That phrase, the day of visitation, could possibly mean like end times when Jesus returns. But a lot of people also think this means uh, just when anyone places faith in Jesus, when God visits them and they put faith in Jesus. So it's talking about salvation. Um, so he's saying more or less, um, so although they may think some evil things about you and, and that maybe what you represent, the fruit of your life will be so undeniable to them that uh, as a result, there will be, God will be glorified uh, whenever they meet God. God is gonna be glorified because of the evidence of the fruit in your life. So um, at this point in my preparation, I was like, man, this is really great. Like I just live like Jesus and I have friends that don't know Jesus and it's gonna work out great. People are just gonna come up and talk to me and I'm just be like, talk about Jesus. Everyone's gonna put faith in Jesus. It's gonna be great. And that's just not how it works, is it, right? Like no one ever is like, oh, you left a big tip at Applebee's. Tell me about the hope that you have. Like <laughs> no one does that, right? Here's, here's a reason that I think that, that might be. So when Peter wrote this book, uh, just to give us a little context, when Peter wrote this book, we talked about this a moment ago, Christianity was extremely countercultural. Uh, Christians were so different and very obvious that they believed different things and acted in different ways. There was no hiding it. So today things are a little different, right? That's not the way it is in Nashville, Tennessee, or really in the South. On a larger scale, uh, we are saturated with what I call cultural Christianity. Where it, that's kind of the culture that you do in the South. There are some rituals and practices that are almost the norm, sort of what people do. We're doing one right now. You just like go to church on Sunday, right? It's just kind of what you do. It's not weird. It's not abnormal for us to act in some of these ways. And these cultural practices, I think, are so saturated and so widespread in the, thing, in the, like the areas that we walk in, in the communities that we walk in, that they actually don't represent anything of value to anyone that looks on because they're so saturated. So um, in other words, there are many people who say they believe in Jesus, but their faith is very nominal. And it's pretty much just kind of a intellectual or habitual uh, ascribing to some practices of going to church and uh, kind of doing some things, maybe giving some money here and there. And that's just kind of what you do. And it's like, if that's all that following Christ entails, uh, people are not gonna be uh, interested in that at all. So how do we, in our modern day culture that's so different than the culture of the first century and the people that would read this, how do we take this encouragement, this challenge from Peter and apply it to our own lives and kind of our everyday lives as we are disciples of Jesus in our everyday lives? So I think in our culture, it's not gonna be as apparent on the outside like it might've been in the first century. I think this is gonna be a lot different and our biggest opportunity is for others to see us truly experiencing the transformational work of God in our lives. Such a huge opportunity for us to um, 
show who Christ is, is to experience it ourselves. Because we all uh, love witnessing transformation, right? It's hardwired into our culture. Uh, that's why the channel HGTV literally exists because people want to see transformation, right? That's why it's so stinking addicting. It's like Virginia and I can binge some fixer upper. You know, it's like, you just keep, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Look how it was. It's like no house and then this incredible thing. And Joanna's a, a genius. And you're just like, this is the coolest thing. I want to watch another one. And that, we just love that stuff. The Biggest Loser, Extreme Maker, Makeover, all these shows are built around our love for transformation. Um, so I think, I think if there's not anything transformational about our experience with God, I don't think anyone's gonna really care. They're gonna kind of be apathetic towards what we're experiencing. It's like if you were to go to a Dave Ramsey clinic, you're like wanting to get hold of your finances, but you find out Dave Ramsey is bankrupt and has lost all his money because he wasted it. It's like, I'm not gonna listen to you. I don't wanna lose all my money. Um, it would be why I am a very bad spokesperson for P90X. You know, if like I'm the one on the video and I like do one pull up and I like can't, I can't do anymore. And it's like, they're like, this is, this is the result of doing P90X? Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I turn sideways and you're like, where'd Larkin go? You know, um, you want someone that's experienced what they're talking about. That's living the life transformation. That's not just talking about it and saying it's good, but actually not having experiencing, uh, experienced anything of value. So um, I think our genuine life change lived out among others as we grow in Christ is uh, a huge part of living on mission and seeing others come to Christ. So uh, I kind of want to explore a question as we, uh, as we kind of land the plane for a few minutes. So here's the question, if you're taking notes, is there anything about my relationship with God? Is there anything about my relationship, my experience, my walk with God that other people would be interested in, that other people would want. Because let's be real, if the entirety of our experience with Jesus is showing up on Sundays, singing some songs and listening to some dude talk for 30 minutes, it's like there are better things to do with your Sunday mornings and better people to listen to talk. Uh, if that's all we have, that's not very enticing to the world, right? So are we experiencing the transformational work of Christ in a way that someone would look on and be interested in. The last thing I'm trying to do with this question is make us feel guilty. Um, this week, as I was asking this question, I found myself sort of guilting myself and shaming myself. You know, it's like, I'm preaching this sermon. And I don't know if my life sometimes has some things that are that valuable that I would be like, man, you should look at my life. I'm like, man, my life sucks sometimes. I'm kind of messed up, right? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't really be among others because it would actually be a worse thing for them to see me and all the inner parts of my heart that are all screwed up. Like we all feel that sometimes. So if, if while we're talking with this question, you begin to feel like language of should, I should be here, I should be acting like this, I should be doing that. That's not the language you wanna use. As my counselor would say, don't should all over yourself. There's no shooting here because that's just shame-filled language that's gonna put you in a place of condemnation and you're not gonna feel any sort of conviction with the Lord. It leads towards shame. So I'm not talking about behaviors here, like legalistic do's and don'ts, like I need to do better at this, I should do better at this or not do this. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about image control or image management so people will think we have it all together. We're not talking about performance so that people can... Um, be like, oh, they're so awesome, not seeking approval of others. Um, that's not what we're talking about. 
what we're talking about is how we walk through life, how we deal with life circumstances. This is about connecting our lives to the root system in Jesus, showing the fruit of our transformed lives as we are in relationship with those that don't know Jesus. That's what this question is geared to, to pinpoint some things. Is there anything about my relationship with God that other people would be interested in? So um, how do we respond to pain and suffering? We talked about this last week. Am I filled with anxiety and worry and difficulty and I don't trust God and I'm angry toward God? Are, are those all of the things that happen in my life when, when I go through a time of difficulty? Or do, do, I, do I have some semblance of peace and hope in God in the midst of suffering that, that says to a world looking on that there's something different? How do we react when we are wronged, when we're hurt? Do we lash out in frustration, hold grudges, seek revenge? Or do we respond like Jesus in love and patience and grace? How do we handle our finances? Do we hoard and acquire or do we sacrifice and give freely? At any point, all, like none of us are gonna be uh, 100% on all these. Uh, if you're like me, I was like, well, they're 0 for 3 right there sometimes, you know? It's like, we all struggle with this stuff, right? But, but it's about, okay, how can, how can I take a step in, in growing in Jesus so that as I do relationship with people who don't know Jesus, they, they see some transformation. They see some actual life change. I'll tell one story and, uh, and, and then we'll close. So um, about a year, a little over a year ago, we were at a gathering like this at our 5 p.m. worship time. And um, right, we, we were all going out to eat afterwards. We were having kind of a, hey, take, take your table, go eat with somebody afterwards. And a few of us were going to K-Bob's. And um, I uh, kind of said at the end, I was like, hey, just, just be expectant and aware that God, that God might move wherever you're going. Just like have an open mind, have open eyes about what God's doing around you. I walked out of here not very expectant, to be honest, and not very aware of what was going on around me. And uh, at the time, the NBA finals were on and, and I, we wanted to watch the NBA finals at our table. And so I, they were showing like racquetball on ESPN. I was like, what is going on right now? The NBA finals are on. So I go up to the front and uh, I'm gonna ask the um, person at the front to change the channel. And this other guy's also up there and he's like obviously frustrated like I am. And uh, so we begin talking, you're like, can you believe this? Like racquetball in the middle of the NBA finals. And we're, we're just kind of tracking up a conversation and, and uh, we begin talking and kind of connecting a little bit. And there's kind of a light bulb moment and I was like, wait, is, is this like a, a relationship that I'm supposed to ask questions or like, should I say anything? And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna talk to this guy. And so uh, we begin asking like what each other does, like, you know, what do you do? What do I do? And um, so I was like, yeah, I'm a pastor. I do some video stuff. And that's kind of what I do here in Nashville. And, and I kid you not, this was the answer he gave me. He said, really, um, I don't believe in God, but I'm, I've been really interested in learning some things about Jesus. I would love to get coffee with you and talk about it sometime. <laughs> and it was like one of those moments, like T-ball, like fourth grade, like just, just close your eyes and swing. You can't miss the ball, right? And just to put you at ease, that has never happened at any other point in my life. It was kind of a, a rare moment. But I've told that story before here, and, and that's kind of the end of, of what I've shared with you guys. Uh, since then, um, I've begun just kind of hanging out with this guy every once in a while. We've been uh, to Baja Burrito three or four times. And, and uh, honestly, I don't feel like I've done a great job. I've like kind of talked to him about what I believe a little bit and you know, how I work through different difficulties in life. And, and honestly, I kind of think I botched it in some ways. 
I let the relationship slide. We fell out of touch. We hung out four or five times. We were in a fantasy football league together, but um, we, we kind of haven't hung out in a while. And um, I was like, well, didn't do a great job with that one, you know? And uh, nothing really came of it. And this week, I was talking to one of the pastors on staff and um, he uh, said, hey, do you know um, this guy? And he, he said his name and the guy I've been hanging out with a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know him. I kind of told him the story. And he said, I was at a wedding last week and this girl came up to me and said, hey, are you a pastor at Ethos? And he said, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. And, and she said, you uh, or somebody um, at your church has been hanging out with one of my friends and talking to him about Jesus. Um, he grew up in an Eastern uh, spiritual type of family and was so closed off to the things of God. And um, he's now really open to talking about Jesus and taking some steps in that. I've been praying for him for like five years. Thank you for all that you've been doing with him. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything of substance from my opinion. All I did was say, okay, I'm gonna try and just have a relationship with somebody who, who doesn't know Christ and just not try and force my beliefs on them, say I'm right on every answer, but just say, hey, this is, this is the evidence of God in my life. This is how I've been changed by God. This is what I've seen God do in my life. And I didn't think I do, did a great job. And God used that in a pretty awesome way. So I don't want this to, to be like too crazy of a thing that we like set this like, you have to live this perfect life and you can't ever be real. It's like the authenticity is oftentimes what draws people to Christ. All we have to do is take some steps, press into God daily, develop relationships with people who don't know him and, and trust that God will move. Trust that God will move. So as we close, I wanna invite you at your tables during our time of communion to, to, to consider two questions. I'll invite Jared to, to come on up. Here's the first question. Um, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Uh, am I being transformed? Am I being transformed? So this is about that tree analogy, right? Analogy, is your heart connected to God? Are you seeing some of the, the fruit of the spirit develop in your life? If you wanna look back at that, it's on page 567 in our blue Bibles, the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. There's no right answer. There's no right place to be. Um, when asking this question, um, this is just about, okay, uh, where am I? Uh, when I look back, how have I seen God transform me? What are some things that I've seen God do in my life? Where has he provided? Where has he been faithful in my life? This is, this is about trying to identify uh, an area that we can take some steps in to grow in God. This is not about stapling apples and trying to like change our behaviors. This is about, okay, how can we lean into Christ? And what are some areas that I'm being transformed? If you're at a table with somebody you know and, and you've seen God work in their life in some way, like share that with them. Say, I've seen this happen in your life. I've seen this transformation. Be encouraged. That's the first question I want you just to briefly talk about. And the second question, uh, am I living among others? Am I living among others that, that don't know Jesus? Or is my life insulated? It's kind of people that are like me. Am I developing genuine relationships? How, how can I do that? What are my fears? What are, what are the obstacles sometimes that I feel in those areas? Um, I wanna encourage you, we're gonna give about uh, eight or 10 minutes uh, for you guys to talk at your tables or um, around tables, just about some of the things that maybe God was speaking to you today out of the word. Um, if you've got a lot of people at your table, maybe kind of circle up into groups of two or three so that everybody gets a little bit of a chance to share. There's like 17 people at this one table. Uh, so that's why I said that. Um, Y'all just all love each other so much. I love it. Um, 
But take some time, uh, explore these two questions if you feel free. Um, and if you, if you just wanna pray by yourself or just kind of be alone with God, that's totally okay. You can go out on the porch. Uh, you can just worship, you can journal. All of that is totally fair game in the next eight or 10 minutes. And then Jared and the band are gonna get back up and uh, just lead us in a couple more time uh, songs of worship as we close out. Uh, let me pray for us and then we'll spend some time in communion. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would transform our hearts in such a way that it would be undeniable that we've encountered you. Um, so often I get so afraid to, to share with others because I, I'm not really experiencing you much. And I pray that you would give us the freedom uh, just to take some steps today um, with you, with others, with people in our lives. Give us the courage. Um, if the enemy is speaking any words of condemnation, I just wanna um, just say in the name of Jesus, would that not be present here? Uh, would you, Holy Spirit, be the voice of conviction, not condemnation, but conviction to lead us into a place of growth um, that would produce good fruit in our lives? Uh, we trust you with the next time, God, would you minister to us through each other and speak to us through each other as we process all that you've been doing in our hearts this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this for your beautiful name, amen.